Welcome to the Fantasy Affair. What's up, my Fantasy Affairians? This is Burke here. Welcome you into another fabulous edition of the Fantasy Football Affairs podcast. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at Eric Burkholder6. I'm joined by my second member of the Killer Bees, Bradley Stickler. He is at FF Bourbon Dude. What's up, Brad? Oh, living the dream, man. It's my Friday off of work, starting a long weekend. I got a shit ton of honeydew list this weekend. I got to weed eat. I got to move some dirt around. I got to do a bunch of yard stuff, but I'm looking forward to it. We got some friends coming over this weekend. It's going to be a good time uh, sipping on a little bit of bourbon that I'm going to allude to later on during the show because I got a good little tie for it while I'm sure our guest and I will be going back and forth about this particular player. Uh, so... Yeah, that'll, that's worth listening to, folks. That is worth listening to. Some bullshit comparison of some fine-ass $100 bottle of bourbon to the 14th-ranked quarterback. No, seriously, though, before we get into our guest, because he's fantastic, I can't wait to talk about him. I want to talk about FFAffair.com. We got a new writer, Rob Lorge, at RobFFAddict, already dropped two, okay? Check them out. They're fantastic articles. Our, our one and only Brett Sanders at... DFF Sandman, all right, the, the founder of Rookie on the Rise, the founder of, of Rotorball, which is one of the best things out there right now in the fantasy community. He just dropped one. We got Garrett Vienna at FF Goldman, as always, dropping hot fire, all right? But today we're going to break down some more AFC divisions, and just as a, just as a little preview, we're, we're going to cover the East, and we got some beat writers coming out. So far, we got one from the Jets. We got one from the Patriots. We got a couple more on the waiting. And I cannot wait to get actual insight from people that are there. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. But let's get into this one. We got our guest today, as promised, Quinn Kusky of the Hot by Happy Hour. He is at Quinn underscore Kusky on Twitter. What's up, Quinn? Yo, what's going on, Brett or uh, Eric? Y'all call yourself the Killer Bees, but the Q has a stinger on it. So how long, you, been, how long, you, how long you had that one queued up? Uh, since you said weeks, killer bees, <laughs> he's been waiting weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, on it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> we had to bring him on on this one because we're covering the AFC West, and he is the biggest Chargers fan I know, and that is saying something because they got a hell of a fan base. Before we get into that, we do have a couple news and notes that I want to ask you guys about. We got uh, Antonio Gibson and his toe issue. They say it's lingering. Is this news or noise, Brad? I think it's noise, right? I mean, there's a couple videos out there that show him working during OTAs. It doesn't look like there's anything bothering him. He's just as quick. He's just as explosive. So I think it's noise. I don't think there's anything to worry about. How about you, Quinn? Yeah, I mean, I think it's straight noise. We're still, I mean, we're 100 days, or I guess now 98 days out from the start of the regular season. I'm not concerned about a toe 98 days from now. So we're good to we go. We do know that turf toe is an annoying issue, man. It's not a hamstring, it is. but it does linger. And it is. As, of- a, as a Chargers fan, I mean, I dealt with Antonio Gates' turf toe for years. So, no, yeah, turf toe is an issue, but it's, we got 98 days. He's going to be yeah, all we right. We got time. For those that don't know what turf toe is, it's not because he rubbed his foot on the turf. It's not, it's not turf burn, okay? <laughs> it's, it's stretched ligaments in the toe. And so you can have scar tissue built up, and it will probably bother him for a very, very, very long time. That does not mean it's going to hold him out, okay? Now, the discomfort he feels, which he's just being honest, it's natural. That's going to happen. But he is working out. They will manage it. It's not like Ty Gurley's knee. It's not going to degenerate. It is what it is. Um, and like 
it's been it's been said we're, we're almost 100 days out we're less than 100 but we got months uh there's another news note here it's terrace marshall is sitting brad talk to me about this one what's going on yeah there's you know i've seen a couple guys saying oh terrace marshall's dropping a little bit in rankings because he's sitting out of camp right now now the uh, you know matt rule came out and said hey look we're just trying to ease him in he had a pretty significant leg injury pretty significant foot surgery in 2019 we don't want to put that at risk. And we've already seen enough of this guy in rookie camp that we're not concerned about it in OTA. So we're going to make sure he's healthy. We're going to ease him in, right? So at least the coach is talking about it, acknowledging it. I'm not too worried about it, but I do wonder about his uh, progression in the offense and learning the playbook, getting reps with Sam Darnold and things like that. But ultimately, I don't think it's going to have any kind of long-term effect on him at all. Yeah, he did have injury concerns coming out, which is why he fell. Okay, so this is them being realized. So if the guy does have injury concerns and he's on your fantasy team or fantasy radar, this is how you want them to handle it. Now, reps with, with Darnold, that's, that's a real thing. Uh, as far as the playbook, getting acclimated to the terminology, dude, it, it's Joe Brady. It is his, he knows the playbook. He knows the plays. He's a wide receiver. He'll run the routes. He's uber talented. And honestly, his greatest value is in 2022 because we expect Robbie Anderson to leave uh, DJ Moore to get re-signed and for Terrace Marshall to be the two with an opportunity to be actually the X, not, not necessarily the number one option, but the X. So it is something of note, which is why we brought it up, uh, but it is what it is. And if you are a Terrace Marshall fan, this is pretty much how you want him to handle it. The, the fact that they saw enough is great. He knows the playbook. He knows the offensive coordinator uh, and reps with Sam Darnold. I'm not a Darnold fan. Um, so we'll see how much that really comes into play. Right. But Terrace Marshall still a stud Antonio Gibson still a smash play as of now. All right. It's a let's shame you're down. not a Darnold fan because you know, he's finally away from shithole Adam Gase. So I think Sam Darnold ruined Adam Gase's career. How about that? That's not a real take, oh. but it could be true. I think it's Sam vice Darnold versa. Throws I think it's cakes. completely vice versa. He might need LASIK. Okay, he might need LASIK. He's thrown picks since high school. Let's get into the AFC West, though, all right? We want to break down the L.A. Chargers to start off. We know they got Justin Herbert. Love him. We know they got Austin Eckler. We know they got Keenan Allen. The rest is a little bit of a mystery. Let's start off with Herbert. Is he going to take a step forward? Is he going to have a little regression? We know the sophomore slump. That's a real thing. People have film on him. They didn't even know he was going to be the starter in his first start. I mean, he found out minutes before. Uh, before I get too into this, Quinn, let me kick it to you because I know you're a huge fan. You follow this team it, like a fanatic would. So talk to me about Herbert. Yeah. Step forward or, um, or step back. Well, first, I do, I do want to delve into that first start. Like when you say he didn't know until minutes before, um, Austin Eckler was talking about it, and he said Herbert came into the huddle on the first play of that game, called the play, and Eckler looked up because he didn't recognize Tyrod's voice and said, wait, what are you doing here? And Herbert just looked <laughs> over at him and said, hey, coach said I'm in. That, that was that's how the best quick, story. Coach, oh, that hey, is awesome. Hey, coach said I'm in. It's that's time to how go, quick man. notice this whole thing was. The starting running back of the team had no fucking clue. So, yeah, like when you say no film, there was no film. The thing is, further down the line, especially like divisional rivals, they played him a couple times. They still had film. He still balled out. He, if you look at what teams had the best QBRs, like the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they were one of the best pass defenses in football. 
the quarterback that had the best QBR against him, Justin Herbert. The Chargers were good from a passing standpoint. We, we're not going to talk about coaching because that was non-existent last year. Um, Herbert was great. I don't see any reason why he would not take a step forward. At the end of the day, there's a point where a player hits like an upper echelon where they're at that level and Herbert's hit it. Herbert hit it year one. He's the, one of the best, if not the best rookie quarterback in the NFL history. And he's the guy now. Yeah. Saying he's the best rookie in NFL history. That is a statement. Go look it up though. For those that don't know, he finished QB nine. All right. He had 595 passing attempts through 31 touchdowns, almost 4,500 yards in 15 games. These are great numbers. No matter who you are, this is Justin Herbert. Okay. He, he went as the third quarterback off the board. The Chargers got stuck with him, quote unquote, um, and he proved his worth. But I do want to focus on one thing, because you said last year there was no coaching. Bradley and I are big Anthony Lynn fans. So, Bradley, talk to me about Anthony Lynn and what this means, his departure means for Justin Herbert. Yeah, so, I mean, when you think Anthony Lynn, we've talked a lot about it. His time being an offensive coach in Buffalo and his time being a head coach in L.A. and San Diego, he – never produced anything outside of a top 10 offense. Never. Every time he was a coach on the offensive side of the ball, his team was a top 10 offense. They produce points. They produce fantasy value. So I, I don't know that it's necessarily going to be a step back for Justin Herbert, but I do think there's going to be another learning curve, right? Is Mike Lombardi going to be able to utilize, is his offense going to be the same as an Anthony Lynn? I don't know because that offense that you saw Justin Herbert run last year is not what the saints were running when Mike Lombardi was there. So now nobody knows what Mike Lombardi's play calls are going to be because he wasn't making the play calls in new Orleans. However, comma, and I said it again, however, comma, uh, you, you're hoping that that's kind of what you see, right? Because they've got guys like Keenan Allen to play that short game, and they've got some guys that can stretch the field as well. And the thing is, when it comes to that Chargers offense with Anthony Lynn, he inherited a great offense. Like, I feel like I could have coached that team to be a top 10 offense. When Lynn stepped in, you had Phillip Rivers at quarterback, who was still – he was – edging out of his prime, but he was still in his prime when he got there. You have Austin Eckler. And when, when Lynn was first there, you had Eckler and Melvin Gordon, who together was a nasty duo. You still had Mike Williams, who's one of the best, if not the best 50, 50 ball receivers in football. You had Keenan Allen, who if it's third and 10 and you need a guy to throw to, he's open. And at the time that Lynn was first starting out, Gates was still there with Hunter Henry. You have Hunter Henry and Antonio Gates. Like, look at, like, listen to those names I just racked off. It's not that hard to see that team as being a top 10 offense in football. The thing is, the reason they lose games is because of poor coaching decisions. That's why Lynn's not there anymore. Yeah, that's it. I think that's fair. And I I also agree that that's different because we're talking in fantasy. So I just want to highlight a couple things. 15 starts, eight of them more than 40 passing attempts. All right, two of those more than 50 passing attempts. He hit 49 two other times. Okay, so as a pure fantasy aspect, Justin Herbert is almost assuredly going to take a step back. Okay, that doesn't mean he will, but the numbers add up. 
Okay. But I don't think anyone is going to come on this podcast and say that if it, they're not going to take him as a 10 to, top 10 quarterback in a startup, like he is who he is. So let's move off of Herbert and let's talk about the running backs. Okay. Austin Eckler is there. Austin Eckler the year prior um, when we had the holdout for Melvin Gordon, he finishes what like RB four in PPR leagues. Okay. RB four in PPR eight in standard off the back of 108 targets. That's 2019 in 2020 in the games played, with Herbert, I mean, we're looking at 18, 31, 23, 27, just absolutely killing it. Austin Eckler, age 26, cheap, cheap contract. We expect him to play early and often and for them to find the ball or get him the ball, especially with that Saints coaching tree, right? Alvin Kamara 2.0. We called him Alvin Kamara light literally last season, literally did that in the, in the preseason. So that's going to hold true outside of Austin Eckler. Who's going to get the ball? Joshua Kelly, is it Roundtree? Is it Jackson? I mean, Joshua Kelly out of UCLA last year, we saw him get the ball 23 times week two, pretty much got the ball just about 10 times a game. Is he the guy? If not, who is it, Quinn? Yeah. So Eckler's obviously the guy behind Eckler, it's Justin Jackson. Without a question, the Chargers number two is Jackson. The big question is can Jackson stay on the field? And the flat-out answer is no. He has an injury issue. He cannot stay on the field. And behind him, book it right now. Larry Roundtree wins that third running back job. Josh Kelly's not the Chargers guy anymore. He was statistically, if you look at pro football focus, he was the worst running back in football last year. There's a reason they brought in Kalen Balaj, who wound up being better than, Justin, yeah. better than Josh Kelly. There's a reason that happened, because Josh Kelly's not that good. At the end of the day, that's Roundtree's job, and Josh Kelly's fighting for it. Yeah, I love that you brought up Kalen Balazs, who I'm a big Balazs fan. He he, the Balazs barrage, baby, the the Balazs Mahal, all that. Uh, Balazs Balazs three of us. There's three of us. It's the Balazs Atois, man. This is what it is. Okay, there's three of us talking about him, but uh, he leaves Adam Gase. Whatever. I don't care what you think about him. He's big and strong and fast. He's not very good. Okay, he was very successful. So the handcuff to Eckler, who is a tiny little scat back, going to get the ball about 150 times on the ground, that's going to leave at least 100 carries, right? Who's going to get them, Brad? Yeah, I, I agree with everything Quinn said. We talked about a pre-show. Justin Jackson, when you see him on the field, he's really fucking good. The guy yeah. averaged almost five yards a carry when he touched the ball last year to Joshua Kelly's three. That is pathetic. 3.2. It was pathetic. So – what is, what is, I'm seeing fingers. It, it was 2.7. Oh, I he see 3.2. Yeah, I was I'm trying to hold up a two. Yeah, I'm yeah, looking at pff.com. So he was uh, bad. It's, it's the point is he's bad. But yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the reason I talk about, you know, if Joshua Kelly and Quinn alluded to it, the health is what matters. If he is healthy, he is the guy that is going to spell Austin Eckler. And I agree they're moving on from Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree is going to be that guy to take that third running back position. So I think there's a lot of value to be had on a taxi squad right now from a dynasty perspective to add Larry Roundtree because of the health concerns we talk about with Justin Jackson. He's going to get hurt. It's It's been a, a repeating history over the course of the last three years he's been in the league. So – with that being said, the guy that's going to come in and get 100 or so carries throughout the year is going to be Larry Roundtree. 
it's one of um one of my favorite phrases in the history of both sports and in life the best ability is availability and Justin Jackson doesn't have it. He's not available. It's an argument I used when I said Gates is better than Gronk, and I'll stand by that till the day I die. The best ability is availability. And Jackson's not available. He's always hurt. That's why Roundtree's going to wind up being the RB2. Not intended to, but he will be. Yeah, see, I'm a little bit of a Joshua Kelly fan. Um, he looked overwhelmed. Fourth, fourth round pick out of UCLA, he looked overwhelmed. They talked about it. Uh, it's a mind thing. And Anthony Lynn, the reason he's such a great coach, whether you hate him or love him as, as analytics and all that, and, and actual on the field, is he inspires people to be great men. That's what he does. And he even said, Josh looks overwhelmed. He looks like he's trying to take on too much, and he's not able to handle it. Um, and so as much as I'd like to say it's any one of these guys, especially Justin Jackson, uh, they did bring on Kalen Balazs, and there will be free agents available. So I think that this is going to be a, a waiver wire addition. This is going to be... One of those guys that's picked up that you don't, that you think is washed, Jordan Howard, a Matt Breda, some crap like that. Suddenly they're they're fantasy available, uh, viable because this offense is legit as hell. It's legit as hell, especially with Herbert slinging the ball. If he can throw the ball anywhere close to forty five times in any given game, they are going to put up serious points. And one of the beneficiaries at the wide receiver position is Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen in fourteen games got one hundred forty seven targets. I mean, he got double-digit targets all over the place. He had 19 targets in one game in week three against Carolina. In a game, they should have blown him out. He just goes to him early and often. Um, you said it, man. They, you need 10 yards? He's open. You need 20 yards? He's open. You need five yards? He's open. You're going to run the ball? He's still open. Okay, so Keenan Allen is the juggernaut. And you talked about availability. And his first four years in the, in the league, man, he missed a game and then two games and then half a season. Then he only played one game since then three straight years. He, and the of the one missed games, game. Three straight years of 16 games. Then he plays 14 this year. And one of those, he said, don't sit me. And we should have sat him. And that was week 15, but the guy's a beast. Quinn, talk to me about Keenan Allen and then tell me who's next up on the totem pole. Yeah. So you, you think Keenan Allen and there's still that, like, you know, that, that, almost unnecessary stigma that he's injury prone and that stems back from that year it was it was week one at near halftime he he caught an outright against the chiefs lacerated his kidney and that's why he missed a whole season and since then everyone's like oh he's injury prone that is the most fluky injury you'll ever see he lacerated a kidney there, that's not coming back to bite him years from now. That's not, you know, a Todd Gurley knee like we were talking about earlier. That's that's a fluke injury that has not re-established itself since then. You want to talk Keenan Allen? If you look at the only players with 100-plus catches in the last two seasons, Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, each year for the last two seasons. Most third-down catches for first downs in the last four seasons – Keenan has 97. Second is D hop for 83. It, if you want a guy that you can trust that he's going to get targets, he's going to get the ball. It's Keenan. Keenan's your guy. You're guaranteed that he's getting targets behind him. It's Mike Williams and Jalen Guyton. Mike Williams. He's your deep ball guy, but the issue is Mike Williams doesn't know how to fall. He's great at going up and catching a pass but then he falls wrong and gets hurt. Yeah. So I trust, 
I trust Jalen Guyton as the as of right now as the Chargers deep threat more than more than Mike Williams. I would rather have if I'm stashing somebody, I I wouldn't put another Chargers receiver on my fantasy team outside of Keenan Allen right now. Mike Williams is the Ken Griffey Jr. of the NFL. Like he'll catch the ball at the wall and break his collarbone doing it. Like he will catch that touchdown and then land straight up on his face. Like you're like, you had a face mask. How'd you get so much face on the turf? He's like, dude, but I caught the ball. It's unbelievable. He is unbelievable. Uh, 2019 breaks a thousand yards, man. Doesn't 15 games, dude. All right. Only scores two touchdowns. We're expecting 20 yards a catch. We're expecting a huge uh, upgrade, especially they had Tyrod, but as soon as Herbert comes over and starts taking off, we expect good things, man. He says he plays 15 games last year. He had 48 catches instead of 49. He had 85 targets instead of, instead of 90. I mean, he's right there. He had 756 yards. He did score five touchdowns. See, Mike, Mike, Mike's on the field, but he's not healthy. In those games, right. like he played 15 games. He's on the field. He's not healthy. There's a reason that you saw Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson getting more targets than him. Because Mike's not healthy. He might have been on the field, but, I mean, if your hip don't work right, you ain't getting the ball. He's almost on the field as a distraction. If he's healthy, holy shit, I love him. Yeah. Because Herbert loves to go deep. Mike Williams, to me, for that that reason, screams by in Dynasty. They picked up that fifth-year option. It's like over $15 million. They just have to pay him. They clearly believe. They clearly love the Clemson kid. All right. So I am a fan of Mike Williams. Bradley, can you talk me out of it? Yeah, I think I'm going to I'm gonna throw the bullshit flag, I'm going to call it, on Quinn because Mike Williams had more targets than those two guys combined last year. So to say they got more targets is not factual. That's well, not a true statement. Let me, let me take you a also second. Look, go ahead. Okay. When, Ty, when Tyron Johnson got the start, it was week 15 and week 14. Yep. Okay. And he ate Mike Williams played those games, but he didn't get all that extra love. It went to Johnson. Now, perhaps it's because he is, he's, he's a little bit of the, like uh, the, the distraction, the little TO thing, right? Cause he's Mike not Williams healthy, played he's... 3% of snaps that game. Yeah. Why is he, that? Like, because so he's living is, in a state of distraction because he can't stay on the damn field. The health, the health, he doesn't I'm, not know how to fall. I'm definitely not going to argue the health that is a legitimate thing, but here's the deal. The fact is that he was the number 100 receivable receiver in catchable targets last year, 100. So if him and Justin Herbert can figure out that timing where he is getting the ball on time to a spot, Mike Williams can be a guy that can put those two seasons that you saw back-to-back together. His sophomore season of 11 touchdowns, I think it was. His junior season of 1,000 yards. He can be a 1,000-yard double-digit touchdown guy. And that is why I'm buying him right now. Like Eric said, you know, you had mentioned him being a buy candidate. I'm buying him because I think that's within the realm of possibility for this guy because he's a freak athlete. This guy was a top 10 pick in the NFL draft for a reason. He's shown you that he he can be a thousand yard receiver. He's shown you that he can be a double digit touchdown guy. And he's shown you that he can be open. The targets are just off, off target right now so if they can develop that chemistry and then second year behind justin herbert in a new offense i think it's going to be disgusting yeah i kind of agree i kind of agree now hold up let me put you on the spot brad 
because I'm in the same boat. I think he's a buy, and, and it's because of realm of possibility. Because if he's going to play and he's healthy, I think we all can all agree you're probably going to start him as a flex, right? Um, what are you going to pay for him, man? Because you know a second probably ain't getting it done. I know you love Preston Williams. I mean, I'm Preston Williams. I know you love Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell in a second. You're going to ship that out for Mike Williams? 100%. You're going to do that? I see that. I think that'll get it done. I think that's the realm of possibility. Quinn, talk to me about him and then tell me just where you think Keenan Allen will finish this season, right, before we move on to the tight ends. Yeah. My thing with uh, with Mike Williams, and this is this is my key, is as a diehard Chargers fan, I own a shit ton of jerseys. There are some players I haven't bought. I have Tomlinson. I have Keenan. I have Herbert. I have Rivers. I have Gates. I have Eckler. I have two more Tomlinson jerseys. Like, I mean, I, I'm talking like I have like well over 20 Chargers jerseys sitting in my closet. You know which one I don't have? Mike Williams. Because I don't trust him. As much as I love what he can bring to the team when he's on the field, he's one of my favorite players when healthy. And holy shit, is he good. But that's the key. The, it comes back to my phrase, the best ability is availability. Mike's not. Yeah, he did play 15 games in back-to-back seasons. But to your point, man, he's on the field, but he's a shell of himself. Yeah, and 16 the year before that. And we did have Sam Gordon on here, Samuel underscore Gordon, okay, the cigar man. And he brought up, he was talking about his love for South Carolina, right? And he said, if somebody comes out of a school that he loved, that, that you have a fan of, and they say something's wrong, right? This is feel. This isn't analytics. This isn't insight um, in the real estate that's going to be popular on Twitter. This is real insight. You got an actual fanatic that watches the team all the time. That's all. If there's one game they're going to watch, that is the game. I've never missed a Chargers game in and, 10 years. And they say something's wrong. There's something to that. How high can Keenan Allen finish this year, Quint? He's top five. He can be top five. Love it. Without Love a it. doubt in my mind, I could see him getting 10 to 15 targets a game consistently every single game. And if if there's one guy that can get separation, also go look at when he when Keenan was in that like NFL top 100 show. Go look at Stephon Gilmore. And all these other elite cornerbacks that they asked, who's the hardest receiver to guard in football? They all say Keenan Allen. There's a reason. That man is explosive out of his breaks. You don't know which direction he's going. And guess what? If you don't know which way a guy's going left or right, and even if you guess correctly, he still beats you, good fucking luck guarding him. Yeah, I love it. I love it because you just you named all these metrics and he's first or second in our Hopkins. He he is a, a one, a true one that is for some yes. reason obtainable. If we're looking as dynasty diehards, right? Keenan Allen is the most ships. underrated receiver I've ever seen in my entire life. Pro Football oh. Focus rated him at 16 today. They put him at 16 today. Do you think Keenan Allen is the 16th best receiver in football? Can you name 15 other receivers better than Keenan Allen? I don't think so. That man is a top 10 receiver, arguably top five, and it's garbage that he continues to get ranked so low. As dynasty diehards, me too. As dynasty diehards, we're trying to win ships. You can't always go get Tyreek Hill and Hopkins and Ridley and Lamb and Jonathan Taylor and CMC on the same team. I'd rather have Keenan than Ridley or Lamb. Hold on. Let me do my spiel. <laughs> so that's not always attainable. 
So we're looking for offenses at a discount that put up similar, if not better numbers on a yearly basis. Is Keenan Allen going to outscore Tyreek Hill? Is he going to outscore Adams, Diggs, Hopkins? Is he going to outscore these guys? If you're going into a season and you have to really put your mouth, your money where your mouth is, it's tough to say yes. But if you can get him at a severe discount or get odds on it, this is the play you make. This is how you win titles. Mike Williams, Bradley, and myself, Keenan Allen for all three of us, Austin Eckler across the board. Okay. Justin Herbert's pretty much undetainable. So you're hoping he dips and you can get him halfway through the season or next year. Let's talk about the tight end position. Okay. They have Parham, six foot eight, phenom out of the AFL. I thought he was going to be good. Um, then they signed Jared Cook, 33 year old, just a receiving threat. We saw him with the Saints last year. He runs the same routes, he has the same role. He is not the same man. But they do add one guy. All right. Trey McKitty, rookie, third round pick from Georgia. Quinn, talk to me about Trey. Third round's yeah. pretty good draft capital. He is. I don't, there. I don't think it's who they wanted. I think it's who they wound up settling to. But I genuinely like Trey McKitty, and I think the Chargers like Trey McKitty. I think Trey McKitty's their tight end two behind Jared Cook. I think he's rate, rated over Donald Parham because Jared Cook can't block. Donald Parham can't block. Trey McKitty can block. And that's the big thing that you're looking at. With you look at a Chargers offense, their tight end two has to block. Look at when they brought in Hunter Henry with Antonio Gates being their one. Hunter Henry had to block. That's why he's a good blocking tight end now because he had to block if he wanted to play for that team. Trey McKitty already can block and he's 6'5", 250. Like that's a big ass human being. And he's got solid hands too. I think Donald Parham's about to take a back seat because Jared Cook's going to be their, their receiving tight end and Trey McKitty can block. And I don't see Parham getting nearly as much of a role, which if you're a Chargers fan and you watched some Donald Parham last year, that's a good thing. Fantastic. Bradley, you got any of these tight ends you want on your team? Yeah, I mean, I think Jared Cook, I think Jared Cook is at a good price for you right now because he's got some legitimate touchdown upside. And in a landscape that you're looking for really touchdowns outside of those top three or four guys, Jared Cook can provide you a lot of production because I think that that team is going to be producing points and they're going to be throwing the ball in the red, in the red zone. And Jared Cook is that red zone threat that you've seen over the last few years. So I think he's the guy right now. Now, after this year, maybe two years, depending on what they do with him, I, I, it gets a little muddier there because I do like Donald Parham on the field. The guy is a, is a pretty solid, he's, he's pretty athletic. And you've seen athletic tight ends be productive in the NFL before. So I think there's a chance that he is that guy. There's a rookie in Trey McKitty working, learning the playbook and, and so on and so forth. So I don't know who I would prefer out of the two of those. I'd probably go with Parham because he's more familiar. He's been with the team. He's played with Justin Herbert. There's a little bit of familiarity there. Uh, and I just don't really, to be quite frank, I don't know that much about Trey McKitty yet, right? There was a lot of talk around him being kind of this blocking tight end from Notre Dame because that's really all they used him for. So you don't know what you're getting out of him as a receiving threat. So I worry a little bit about that. Yeah, man, I, I love it. Uh, Jared Cook is one of those guys that I bought up in title runs. And he he paid off. 
and he and he's done it for two straight years. And so at the end of this year, you're like, it's probably done. He's 33. The landing spot could not get better. So where I have him, I'm pumped about. If he's a throwing, that's fine. I'm not going to target him anyway. Uh, Parham, six foot eight, man. He's that red zone threat. Um, we're we're about to hear hear a rant that's very real, very true to his heart. And uh, Parham, Parham, I think is dust. I think it's over. It was fun. It was it was a fun ride. McKitty out of Georgia, right? Yeah, Four games that's last what I was going to say. I, I screwed up and said Notre Dame instead. Yeah, of I wanted to chime so. in because I was like, yeah, that was wrong. But uh, Four games last year, six catches. Florida State, he had 23 set receptions the year before, 2018-26. He's a blocking guy, and that, that's his thing. But to, to Quinn's point, that's why Hunter Henry got on the field. You got to get on the field. So he is the two over Parham, in my opinion, even though he's six foot eight. Uh, Parham is a red zone threat, and I don't think they need that. They got Eckler, they got Mike Williams, they got Keenan Allen, they got plenty. They got Jared. Shit, Cook. Herbert can run it in. Herbert can run it in. He's he might six, be able to six, throw six, it to The guy's fan fucking tastic. Okay, so I think the tight end position is kind of a wasteland here, right? Uh, Jared Cook, where I have him, I'm happy. McKitty, like you said, they settled. They settled, right? Talk to me about Parham real quick before we move on to the Kansas City Chiefs because it's eating you up, and I need you to I need you to air it out. I've never seen a single player manage to blow a game better than Donald Parham. We were playing the Broncos and it came down to a goal line fade. And who else do you trust, but your six foot eight tight end. It's like, we got this massive guy whose whole purpose in life is to catch fade routes. So let's throw it to Donald Parham. So not only does he not catch the fade route, he said, let's commit a penalty at the same damn time and make sure that we lose to the Denver fucking Broncos, the joke of a team that couldn't get their shit together all year. Like it's a, it's a team that should have been a walkover victory. Like it's, it was on that list of games when the chargers could not win a game when they were up by three scores in the second half. And that was the one that made me just lose my fucking mind. Yeah. You can't base the entire career of a guy on one play though right when you watch him play he's athletic the guy can catch the ball he's he can get open so to base everything on one play may be a little extreme but i get it from a fan perspective right yeah no so i I don't cleveland browns there's one player on defense that i despise when he's on the field so i i totally get that because you see them make mistakes and you want to correct it right yeah so What's, what's interesting is you talk about on defense, right? And um, actually, yeah, I think this might actually pan into exactly what maybe we were planning on talking about next year because you were talking about, um, about defense and there's one specific player on the Chargers defense that I absolutely despise for about two and a half years. And then these last couple seasons, he just showed up and woke up and I've come to really love him in our secondary. It's Michael Davis on the Chargers secondary. And that guy went from being the easiest player to torch that I've ever seen in football to being the counter to Tyree Kill. That's a good player to have on your defense. <laughs> you know, especially in the in the division that we're talking about, which I think is actually the next team that we're going to talk about, right? The Kansas City Chiefs, Eric? Yeah, it is. It is indeed. Let's roll on to the Chiefs here, buddy. Uh, Kansas City, we know they got studs. They got Patrick Mahomes. They got Travis Kelsey. They got Tyreek Hill. We're going to talk about the others here, okay? Um, We're going to try and make this kind of short and sweet. 
Let's talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for a little bit, man. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last year, RB13 in PPR leagues. He didn't get the uh, until he was injured, right? But he got the flu before that. He lost about seven pounds. Uh, that is of note because they did not use him as a pass catcher. Why would you check it down when you can throw the touchdown over and over and over again? Um, so he didn't get the receptions we expected, selected number 32 overall. Um, how are we feeling about Clyde? And is there anybody else that we think threatens him? I mean, Daryl... Daryl Williams constantly got on the field because of his pass protection. Is Clyde going to pick that up? Jerk McKinnon leaves San Francisco and gets signed here. And he is a pass catcher that did show a little bit last season for the 49ers. So for whatever reason, they pretty much straight shut him down. And is the addition of Orlando Brown enough to turn that line around? Let's start with Brad here. Yeah. So I'll start with the running backs and I think Clyde's still top 15, just based on volume alone, right? They, they, they shipped out Damian Williams. So you have Darrell Williams. They brought in Jarek McKinnon who might vulture some pass catching work, but Clyde's still going to have the volume to be a top 15 running back, which you kind of alluded to. So now we'll move to Orlando Brown. You talked about the offensive line. They shipped away Eric Fisher. They shipped away Mitchell Swartz, their left and right tackles. And everybody's heads exploded saying, what the hell are the Kansas City Chiefs doing? That is the reason that they lost in the AFC championship game. Are their tackles inability to block? And then they do a trade. They trade their first round pick. They do some other stuff with the Baltimore Ravens. And they add Orlando Brown, a phenomenal tackle in both pass and run protection. They also add Creed Humphrey in the second round as a center, which is going to help that run game a little bit. Calling protection, it's going to help protect Patrick Mahomes. And then they added some depth in the sixth or seventh round with an offensive lineman out of Tennessee. So I think they addressed what our concerns were when they shipped those two tackles away. I think Creed Humphrey is going to be a good addition at that center spot. And I think Orlando Brown's going to blow their socks off from a, from a pass protection standpoint. So I'm not too worried about it. I think they're going to be just fine. And I still think Clyde has the potential of being top 15. I don't know what that his ceiling is much higher than that necessarily because of exactly what you talked about. They prefer to just chuck the rock. So I think that's going to limit his upside a little bit. Yeah. We went over this again with Samuel Gordon, again, Samuel underscore Gordon, where he was like, look, we put somebody on the list and be like, could it be top five? He's like, maybe in the realm of possibility, but he, he just started naming people. And that's why I have such a tough time with Clyde. Where do I actually think he's going to finish? I don't know. I think 15 is his, is his basement, but I, I know that the chiefs are elite. I know he's all alone in the backfield. I know that they trust him to, to run the rock, which is what our questions were coming in. And if he does get those receptions, the sky's the limit. Will he ever get them? Quinn, how are you feeling about Clyde? Yeah, so you talk about you talk about uh, Edwards Hilaire getting receptions, and I think back to the year the Chargers went twelve and fourteen, the last year Derwin James's rookie year, and the reason I think back to that is because you had Michael Davis that could shadow Tyreek Hill, who I stand by is the is the reek counter, and Derwin James shut down Travis Kelsey. If Derwin's healthy this year, and they do that again with him you might legit look at a situation where Hill and Kelsey are bottled. Well, what's the next thing the Chargers just can't defend? Checkdowns to the running back. And the Chiefs might just feed off of that, and other teams are going to look to that same kind of meta of, hey, if we stop 
Reek and we stop Kelsey, then we just got to stop Hilaire. And teams might start to look to that, look to that mold. And you might see a lot more checkdowns to Clyde this year if the Chargers start to look to counter that with that style. So I could see Edward Hilaire getting a lot more targets this year than maybe he did in years past. Um, behind him, I don't really see much more going on though. So like it, if I'm not, if I don't have Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, I don't want a running back in the chiefs backfield. Yeah. I mean, before he got injured, right? No, before he got injured, right. You're looking at an opportunity where he had 43 receptions through the first nine weeks. Then he had all of his injury stuff kind of pop up. He was on track for 81 targets. That's enough to be relevant, right? So that's what's going to lock him in for to sure. that top 15. So I think the receptions are there. I just wonder a little bit, not not a lot of his receiving work, but what is that Jerick McKinnon role going to look like for them? Is he going to – How I don't think he's vulturing half of his targets or anything like that, but I, I do think, think he's that's going to cap his top 10, top 5 upside. Yeah, I think he's renting that locker for the offseason. We'll see what's up during the season. But I will add that uh, Le'Veon Bell, man, when he came in, he pretty much, he took a lot of work away. He did. Now, Clyde just had the flu. It was a different situation. Uh, Quinn, I love it that you brought up that they might have to go to him because we've Andy Reid has proven that he will take what's available and he will just torch you with it over yep. and over and over again. We saw them play Denver in the snow. Clyde had carried the ball like 25 times. The next game, they play the Jets. You're like, why wouldn't they rock it again? They're going to be killing them. They just threw the ball all day because they refused to guard anybody. So they were like, if you want to load the box, we will just absolutely torch you over the top. So he will do, he will zig when you're zagging. He will zig you into non-existence. Let's move on here to the wide receivers. We know Tyreek Hill is the man. Is there anybody else on this offense you're interested in? Because they are obtainable. We're talking Nicole Hardman. We're talking to Marcus Robinson. We're talking Byron Pringle. Uh, they did draft a a rookie whose name just is, is escapes me because he was Cornell so off Powell. my radar. Cornell Powell. Okay, all of these guys are very obtainable. Uh, is there anybody you're interested in, Quinn? Um, behind Tyreek, maybe Mikkel Mikkel Hardman, and that's almost like a pure handcuff. Mikkel is like a clone of Tyreek Hill. If you're playing a team that maybe has a top end corner, that's just going to shut down shut. Like they're not playing them this year, but if you played a team that had a guy like Jair Alexander, Jair could shut down Tyree kill. So in that, in I, that I love game, you, Quinn, I love you to death. Your, your fandom is so true. It is so true. No way in fuck. Somebody can shut down Tyreek. Perhaps he's not part of the game plan because they don't need him. But there is no game where you walk in and you're like, well, he's going to be a non-factor. I mean, maybe a not a non-factor, but at the same time, if you've got a guy that you're like, yeah, you know, he's got a top-end corner against him. I don't think, you know, my, my wide receiver one might get eight targets this week, and maybe he'll only catch three passes. No one ever thought Randy Moss would be a non-factor. There were games that he was. So it can happen. If you've got a top end corner standing across from him, I mean, Darrell Rivas shut down Calvin Johnson Jr. Did anyone ever think Calvin Johnson Jr. would be a non-factor? It happens. So you got to be ready. If my my number one guy is getting shut down, who's their number two? Who's the next face that they're going to look to? And that might be me, Cole, the clone. Yeah, I don't think he's a clone. I don't think he can run rounds. Uh, the one thing I do 
consistency is the speed. The speed's undeniable. And I love that you brought up it's like a handcuff because you got handcuffs for, for running backs, right? This is a wide receiver handcuff. Drafting, I believe, the second round. They say they still believe in him. Um, we've seen him come along as far as a punt returner. Uh, I got a lot of thoughts on this. Brad, why don't you get us out of here? Yeah, I'm going to go with Demarcus Robinson. He's my guy uh, in that group. You've seen when he's given the opportunity with six or seven or more targets, he's given you double-digit fantasy production. He's come out saying, hey, look, I'm out to prove I can be a 1,000-yard receiver for this team. We throw the ball enough. There's no reason that I can't be. Uh, so it, given the opportunity, I think there's a chance there. It's just whether or not he can. So out of Byron Pringle and out of me, Cole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, Cornell Powell, I'm going with Demarcus Robinson, a guy who's played for multiple seasons in that offense with Patrick Mahomes. Demarcus Robinson is my cheap buy out of those guys. I think, I think those are both great points. And these guys are all obtainable. So um, you're looking for Sorry, ceiling. Uh, you're looking for up play. There's going to be a lot of these guys drafted in in best ball leagues, right? Uh, can we move on to the Denver? Quinn, you yeah, got anything? Real, real quick, I wanted to chime in because I pulled up the uh, the stats on Travis Kelsey. The, the year that Derwin James played for the Chargers and his two games against the Chargers, uh, week one, they played them. Derwin shattered him man-to-man the whole game. He had one reception for six yards. And then they played him again in week 15. He had seven receptions for 61, no touchdowns. So if Derwin plays this year, those two games are a watch out for Kelsey because Derwin can shut down a tight end. It's worth, it's worth thinking about. And if, and maybe not, maybe not for Kelsey owners, right? But I'm thinking like, if you own Clyde Edwards Hilaire or somebody else, if you're like, hey, this team, or, or the Broncos too, Justin Simmons can shut down a tight end. So you got to be thinking, hey, this team has a safety that can shut down Travis Kelsey. Who are they going to look to instead? Maybe that's Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Maybe that's Byron Pringle. Maybe that's Meikle Hardman. Think about it. For sure, man. From what I'm hearing, the Chargers are going to be a handful this season. I love it. Uh, I don't I don't believe it, but I love it to, to fucking death. Uh, uh, let's move on to the Denver Broncos, who are not going to trouble anybody, though they do have a fantastic pass rush. This We, we kind of talked about it all. Their the secondary is scary. It, it may be. It may be. But they don't, they're not going to score a lot of points. Let's start with the no. quarterbacks. Drew Locke or Teddy B? This is going to be a hot topic. Bradley, whose job is this to lose? Teddy Bridgewater, who they just brought in, who's aging, who's a little bit of a bridge quarterback. I mean, his name is Bridgewater. Or is it Drew Locke, the guy that they drafted and was so bad that they had to kick Dan Marino out of his job and give him just pretty much a, a nice a nice corner office and a nice paycheck with no responsibilities? The fact that this is even a question is crazy. It's Teddy fucking Bridgewater. The guy produced 3,000-yard receivers in Carolina last year. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks. He had an 80% adjusted completion percentage. That's insane. That is so good. There are guys on that team that can benefit from that. When you look at a Jerry Judy who had like a 50% catch percentage because everything was thrown off because Drew Locke is fucking terrible. He is terrible unless he's chucking the ball down the field. Right. So I think Noah Fant, Jerry Judy are going to take advantage of a Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater is better. His upside is a little bit capped, uh, but he's a guy who, like I said, he can produce 3,000 yard receivers. 
last year with a team like the Carolina Panthers, he can do it again. Quinn, how do you feel about it? Yeah. So what's funny is I agree with you though, with the, with the fact that Teddy Bridgewater is the better quarterback of the two. The thing is, it's still Drew Locke's job to lose. Why is that, that was the guy the Broncos brought in. They drafted him. They think he's the guy. They want him to be the guy. They want to be right in they, a sense. They moved John Elway because it was the wrong decision. Yeah. So that's my thing is that this is the year. Drew, it's Drew Locke's job to lose, but he could lose it by preseason week three. That's fair. Lose that is a camp. fair assessment. Hey, man, that's pretty much what he's saying. Preseason week three is camp because they don't, they're not going to say shit. Right, they're not going to say shit. They're going to let him roll out there. They're going to give him the starter reps because they want him to win it. He's younger. They want him to be the guy. They want him to be. Um, Let me say this, right? Let me say this. They had an opportunity to take Justin Fields in the draft. They did not. That speaks volumes to one of them. Right? What's going on? Is it a terrible decision? I think so. The hell do I know? I'm just a fantasy football analyst. One of them is set up for success. Okay, I think it's the Teddy. Bears are a genius. <laughs> they they look fucking they look good. They look like what, the what they, they look like cherry right now. They look cherry right now. Roses, whatever you want to say, like the gangsters of old. Uh, but Teddy B, man, if Teddy B is the quarterback, I think it bumps up all the wide receivers. Cortland Sutton, uh, we'll see what he is coming off his knee injury. Uh, the breakout was real, but he did it off the back of crazy athletic catches. Is he going to be better because he's going to get the ball on time? Or is he going to be worse because he's not going to have a quarterback absolutely just trying to force feed him where he knows he can go get it uh, and and do it three or four times a game because they're just always losing. On the flip side, Jerry Judy, man, he is going to take a step forward if it's Teddy. And if it's Drew Locke, I'm scared because this is his kind of thing. K.J. Hamler also was thrown in there um, underneath. We just saw Curtis Samuel, Robbie, Robbie Anderson, and D.J. Moore all put up 1,000 total yards. Now, Joe Brady was there. Hey, fuck it. Okay, Teddy B was there. We saw Teddy B make New Orleans okay. We saw him back in the day when he was with Minnesota before the freak knee injury. He made them a playoff team. They were 8-8, eight and eight, and they were 14-2. and two. Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback. He will make the other weapons better. Okay, I Assuming- stand by it wasn't the knee injury. It was the bullshit-ass garbage hit that killed his career. Teddy's? Yeah. His career's not dead, man. He's about to take over for Denver. No, I mean, like, like that was, like, if, if you lose four years on your career, that's a killer. Like, imagine how good he could be if he could have been developing through those four years. Like, he lost four years of his career because of a bullshit hit. And I'll stand by that till the day I die. That's fair. Let's move on to these wide receivers. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. Which one do you want, Brad? It's a So this is the dynasty conundrum, right? It matters who the quarterback is. If the quarterback is Drew Locke, I want Cortland Sutton and KJ Hamler. If the quarterback is Teddy Bridgewater, I want Jerry Judy and Noah Fant because that's their, that's the difference between their game. Their game is just different. Drew Locke looks to just chuck the ball down the field. Teddy Bridgewater is safe. He's close to the line of scrimmage, which is where Jerry Judy and Noah Fant are going to go. So pay attention to camp reports. And if you can sell that Cortland Sutton hype, after Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback, because it's going to happen, you should. And you should try to obtain a Noah Fant or a Jerry Judy instead of Cortland Sutton. Quinn, who do you want? Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy? Yeah, so my thing is, 
I don't think either of these quarterbacks are the guy of the future. I think they both suck. I think they're looking to draft a guy to make this team better. And it didn't happen in this year's draft, which which is crazy, right? That's probably should have. That's, it should have hurt our feelings, right? Because we both, I agree with you, Quinn. But they pass on Justin Fields, who we love. I we had love my, him, athletic. I, and I Mac Jones, who's forty five hundred yards and forty plus touchdowns in an All SEC. They pass Justin on both Fields is my QB two in this draft. So who I'll, who I'll are they going to build around? But which one I do you want? Know, Portland Sutton but, or Jerry Judy? So I right now I'm going Jerry Judy because I think down the line this team is going to take another quarterback that isn't uh, Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, and they want to build him around their younger receiver, which is, which is Judy. Yeah. So I think, I think future, I don't love any of these guys for this year. I, I honestly, if you're looking for this year, Brad's perspective is perfect. If you're looking future, I like Judy. I like Noah Fant. Go with the younger guys. They're looking to draft a quarterback for those younger guys. I'll say a couple of things. Knee injuries are, are serious, and we and we shake them off because modern science is fantastic. But it, then it comes down to work ethic, right? Um, I said it before. I'll say it again. Motivation is fleeting. Habits are forever. I want those habits. Jerry Judy has those habits. Does Cortland Sutton have those habits? Is he going to rehab correctly? Is he still the man? Does he, does he have too big of a head? Does he expect a payday, whether he earns it or not? I don't know. We'll find out. How fun would it be to see Deshaun Watson week one line up for the Denver Broncos? How fun would that be? All right. Let's move on to the tight end. Noah Fant. TJ Hawkinson gets a ton of love. Coming out, they're both out of Iowa. They're both similar. Noah Fant's an explosive guy. TJ's a better tight end. How close or how far is Noah Fant from TJ Hawkinson, Quinn? He's far. Real far. Huh? Um, yeah, he's real far. I love the intangibles of Noah Fant. I think, or maybe not the intangible, the athleticism. Athleticism, yeah. Athletically, yeah. Athletically, he might be the best athletic tight end in football outside of Darren Waller. Darren Waller could play wide receiver at the exact same skill level if he was smaller. But when it comes to Fant, I, every time I look at him, he's one of my favorite tight ends to get in Madden, maybe not in fantasy. No, the Fant, guy, yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. He the guy the has, yeah, he's, he's a game breaker, but not on a football field. And if he doesn't have a team that wants to work with what he has to offer, He's not going to be good. And right now, the team doesn't want to work with what he has to offer. How about you, Brad? How close or how far is Noah Fant? I mean, from? they're not even close. TJ Hawkinson, I've got as the number four tight end in my my dynasty rankings, whereas Noah Fant, I've got at number 11. Number 11. That's a lot of spots. That's in that tight end irrelevance type of space. Uh, so, I mean, I look at it and I say, okay, yeah, he could have some blow up games, but he's not dependable. He has plays that he comes off the field. TJ Hawkinson doesn't come off the field because he can block and he can run routes and he can catch. So that's the big difference. Noah Fant can't block. So he's going to come off on those third downs where they need that sixth blocker at the end of the offensive line. So, that's my issue with him, but I've got him seven spots apart right now. So I'm curious, Brad. Um, you put Hawkinson at four. I'm assuming it's 
what Waller, Kittle, and Kelsey above them. Correct. Not necessarily in that order, but those three names. That is correct. Pitts, I'm not willing to put ahead of a guy like TJ Hawkinson until he proves on the NFL field that he can do what he was able to do in college. Yeah, I'm putting Pitts at four. I, I got fair. Hawkinson at five, but I put Pitts at four. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. I, I was just curious where you were ranking people. Nope. It's a fun discussion, right? Kyle Pitts, I'm a, I'm a Lions fan. Kyle Pitts is going to shit on TJ Hawkinson's career. <laughs> Sorry. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Difference between TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant. TJ Hawkinson, wide receiver five in PPR, tight end five. Noah Fant, tight end eight. Seems pretty close. Okay. People think it is colossal. TJ Hawkinson was playing with Matthew Stafford in what I believe was a fantastic offense under Darryl Bevel. Kenny Galladay was always out. Marvin Jones was the one. Outside of that, they don't have a whole lot. Okay. I see Noah Fant. With, with other options and Drew Lockett quarterback being outscored mm, about 26 points. It was about a 26-point difference. I think it's closer than people want to believe. And coming out, I didn't think it would be this close. So Noah Fan, I think, is a tight end that is very attainable. I mean, he's on the block in almost all my leagues. I don't know what the hell to offer for him. It's like Mike Kosicki last year. It's like, look, dude, he might do okay, but I don't think he's a long-term option. But we just highlighted the athleticism, much like Mike. Um, Noah Fant is a nice wide, is a, is a nice tight end. And if you have punted tight end in a, a, a startup and you pass the top three, four, five, wherever you think it is, I think Noah Fant is a, is a solid guy. I mean, let me name the guys around him. Mark Andrews, Mike Kosicki, Rob Gronkowski, you're not taking him. Hayden Hurst below him, you're not taking him. Schultz, Hunter Henry, who's now in New England. Jimmy Graham, Eric Ebron, you're not taking any of them. He's the best of the rest, in my opinion. Tight end, tight end is a hole in fantasy. If you're in a 12-man league, you're looking at, you know, four or five good tight ends, you know, with that edge being Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts. You know, that that's the edge of your five. If you're in a 12-man league, there's seven other people that need a tight end, and there aren't a lot of great options. No offense, one of the better ones of those of those groups. Yeah, there's a clear, there's a clear tier whether you include Hawkinson in that or not, uh, I don't. Uh, so um, I think him and Fant are closer. And I think Fant's six, and he's the best of the rest. Let's move on here to the Raiders here. Um, we talked about Darren Waller and the freak that he is. Oh, my goodness. If you watch him play football, uh, his recovery from alcoholism and um, just drug abuse. His story general, is incredible. It's incredible. The fact that John Gruden, he's the perfect coach for this guy, brings him in, makes him the stud that he is. We can't get over it. Outside of Darren Waller at the Las Vegas Raiders, is there another pass catcher, wide receiver or tight end, that you want on this team? I'm going to start with Quinn. Um, on my team, like, okay, if I'm playing redraft, no. If I'm playing dynasty, I want to stash Henry Ruggs. I think he they want him to be their Tyree kill. I think that was the purpose with with, with which they drafted him. That is why he's there to go deep and catch touchdowns. And I would not mind at all stashing him on my roster. I think Ruggs is the guy that I want off of that team, pass catching wise, outside of Waller. I love it. We know he has the draft capital. We know he's the big play explosiveness. We know Nelson Aguilar just left town. Seems like Henry Ruggs should fill that role. Brad, who do you want on this team? Oh, 
baby. Oh, baby. I want me some Brian fucking Edwards. Wide receiver out of the University of South Carolina. Had a rough year last year. Had some injury concerns. Had some stuff go on. But then you watch the draft and the the Las Vegas Raiders did nothing to address it. They let Nelson Aguilar go in. They bring in John, John Brown. But they didn't bring in a single rookie wide receiver. It's because they know what they have in Brian Edwards. That's the guy I want. And I dare to say I would take him in the 15th or 16th round of a redraft league even. I think this guy is going to be an absolute fucking monster when given the opportunity i'm so excited for this guy to get the chance to be healthy on the field there was a hype photo put out by the the las vegas raiders beat reporter that this dude just looks like he's ready to fucking go just go look it up he's ready and i'm super excited because he was dominant at south carolina and i expect the same thing to happen in Las Vegas with Derek Carr at quarterback. If only his quarterback could get him the ball. Hold on. Brian Edwards out of South Carolina's breakout age is is 17. He's not 22 years old. We know he broke his foot prior to the NFL draft. Otherwise, no way in hell he falls to the third, in our opinion. But we just saw – we've seen a lot of people do that. All right, it takes about a year to come back. So last year was his year, full year. He might might be a slow start here. Uh, But he's 22, 6'3", 215. He had 15 targets last year. 15 targets all season out of those 15 targets 193 yards and a touchdown okay that's elite that could be two you could break that into two weeks you got a solid two henry ruggs stretching the seam right over the top probably going to get the most targets on the team outside of darren he's got to get on the field edwards or ruggs 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 is that kind of wild card. People that love Jalen Waddle should just go get Henry Ruggs because for whatever reason, people are out on him and it's, it's, it's wrong. It's wrong, but we know he fills a specific role and he's hashtag good at football. It's crazy fast. We saw him beat the jets single-handedly the forgotten man, the accountant Henry Runfro uh, out of Clemson after two years, the guy that was supposed to make Darren Waller moot uh, that was the most hilarious argument I've ever had in a dynasty chat or on Twitter. That was just yeah, great. That, the, that's the, just the dumb. Um, he's still there. And the fact that they did nothing to address the position, he's pretty much going to run the slot. So we do have those three established. Hunter Renfro is, is a fine slot. Henry Ruggs is a good Z. We got the X in Brian Edwards. We have the tight end that we all love in Darren Waller. Let's talk about the quarterback, Derek Carr. Quarterback 14 last year, set record, uh, set personal bets. <laughs> He's not going to set records, set personal bets and completion percentage and, and quarterback ranking and yards and, and pick to touchdown ratio. He had a fantastic season. Quinn, tell me what's wrong with Derek Carr. We know he's got weapons. What's wrong with him? Yeah. So the thing is, you talked about the Raiders' weapons, right? You know, Hunter Renfro, he's fine. Henry Ruggs, he's fine. You know, that's the thing is the Raiders. Their offense, it's fine. And that all comes back to the quarterback. He's fine. He's not great. He's not, you know, good. He's fine. He passes the Dalton index. He's he's an above average quarterback. That's where I put Carr. His career went downhill the second he got his head ripped off. And when I when I think Derek Carr, I think his career parallels Carson Wentz. Did you want Carson Wentz in fantasy last year? No, 
Should you yeah, want? Yeah, I, should I you did. Want, I did want Carson Wentz in fantasy. Guy was putting up 20 points a game. I did yeah. want Carson Wentz in fantasy, just like I wanted Jalen Hurts in fantasy. Yeah, I, in Dynasty, I wanted Jalen Hurts. Like, I, you get a, you get to a point where a quarterback's gun shy, and I think that's where that's where Carr is at right now. And I think the best thing for Derek Carr's career is a change of scenery, which I think was the best thing for Carson Wentz's career was a change of scenery. I love him in Indianapolis. I think Derek Carr needs a change of scenery, but he's not going to be good this year if he's playing in Vegas. Brian? That, that's completely asinine. He had the best season of his career, which isn't saying much right now. He was QB 14 in fantasy. He was an MVP candidate the year he got hurt. He threw 68% completion percentage, 4,100 yards, 27 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. The guy doesn't turn the ball over. So he had a, a top 10 PFF rated season as the, at the quarterback position with the likes of Nelson Aguilar as his top end wide receiver. And Eric, I know you have a little bit of love for Nelson Aguilar as a football player per se, but Derek Carrier, right? Like there's guys that I don't give a crap about that were catching the ball from him. So now you get Brian Edwards healthy. You get Henry Ruggs to stretch the field a year in that is not COVID related. You still have Darren Waller. You have Brian Edwards. You've got these other guys. I think it's completely the opposite, Quinn. I think this is an offense that has two running backs that have been top 15 in their career between Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs, which we'll get to. You've got an alpha wide receiver in Brian Edwards. We just haven't seen it yet. You've got arguably the best tight end in the game in Darren Waller. You've got a solid slot wide receiver in Hunter Renfro. You've got a field stretcher in Henry Ruggs. I think Derek Carr is set up for success. That's what I believe. I cannot wait so, to play this back for you. The hype you just put behind – this should be in Oakland Raiders it. is on Las Vegas Raiders. I said should have been Oakland is so, unbelievable. So it's let me, unreal. let me go ahead and what put I it on is, fucking tape. Okay. Let me, oh, hang on. Let me tear this tape. apart real quick. Right, right, let me put it on tape. Well, hang on, hang on. Let me put it on tape. Derek Carr right now is my dynasty QB 18. This year, he will be a QB one top 12 quarterback. Write it fucking down. Is that a bold take? Maybe. You know, like he's, the difference between quarterback 10 and quarterback 20 is like 12 one time, like five years ago. So I think so. Get him, Quinn. All right, here we go. I'm clapping because it's go time. All right, look, you got a quarterback. I don't care how many weapons you put around him. I don't give a shit about any of that. At the end of the day, you have a quarterback that's coming off a major knee injury. Look at Carson Wentz. What's he playing scared of? He's playing scared of players around his knees. It didn't matter who you played around him. He was afraid to put to step up into the pocket. That's Derek Carr right now. This is something me and Sammy have talked about many times on Hot by Happy Hour, where you have a quarterback who's had a major knee injury, and they're afraid to step up in the pocket. That's Derek Carr right now. If you don't put a top five offensive line around him, that problem will persist. The Raiders have not done that. That offensive line has actually gotten worse 
this offseason. Sure, their weapons have gotten better. What's another team that I can think of that a weapon, their weapons have gotten better, but the O-line degraded and the team shit itself? Oh, the Browns a couple years ago. Yep, that happened. They put together one of the best on-paper offensive units on in history, and their offensive line was so horrific that Baker Mayfield had a quarter second to throw the ball and just got smacked in the face. And that's where we're at with Oakland now or Las Vegas. Yeah. They also have Freddie kitchens. Let me just say a few things. Carson Wentz. Okay. Carson Wentz through week 12. Okay. QB 11, 18.95 points per game. I want me some Carson Wentz. Okay. Oh, I love him in Indy. Derek Carr. Last year, quarterback 14. Derek Carr's weapons are all unproven. I said this last year. I was shocked at how good he did. Okay, but he is the guy that you want in two years. All right, well, this is now it's one year. I cannot wait to see what Ruggs and especially Edwards do this season and how they address the team going forward. Uh, they do lose a center in there, Rodney Hudson, who comes in at PFF's number one ranked center. He goes to the Cardinals. What does this mean for the running team, for the running game? They also add Kenyon Drake or Kenyon Drake. If you're Brian, I don't know how to say it. Um, what's up with that? And, and who do we want here? Jake, uh, Jacobs or Drake? And how's the split work out? Let's start with Brad. Yeah, I think you got to look at drake's historical value as a receiving running back right he's not going to come in and get the volume that he got in arizona last year that's josh jacobs role right josh jacobs is going to get that 200 plus carries however if you look at the other running backs that the las vegas raiders had last year those carries are going to go to Kenyon drake so you're looking at about 115 carries with his historical 4.7 ish yards per carry so he's going to get you 550 yards I think he's in the realm of that 50 to a ceiling, like 70 targets he could see out of the backfield. That's ceiling, not floor. So I think he's in that 50 to 70 range. He could be like the wide, the, the running back 20, 21, 22 for you. Whereas Josh Jacobs, I think, falls to around that 15 range because he's, I, th- I believe he's going to lose a little bit of that passing work. He's still going to get the bulk of the volume at the goal line. He's still going to get the opportunity for those goal line rushes and touchdowns. So I think that's going to keep him from falling too far. But I really think you're looking at two RB2s in, in this season. You think they're like a new Buffalo Bills? I was just going to hit you with that because you said Drake would be like RB22, and I think that's – I think it's a bit high, man. So, like, do you want him or Devin Singletary or Zach Moss? Do you want him or J.D. McKissick? Do you want him or Naheem Hines? Do you want him or James Conner? Do you want him or Chase Edmonds? I mean, there's all these things I can go through. But I think you do end it well because I think you're looking at two twos. Um, in your opinion, I think it's Jacobs. How do, you, how do you feel, Quinn? Do you want either one of these guys on your team? Yeah, so I've said it here before. I've said it on Hot Buy before. I hate committee running back systems. I despise it. I want a true RB1. I want to run it. If I'm picking a running back in fantasy, I want him getting 20 touches a game. Neither of these running backs are getting that anymore. You put two RB1s and put them on the same team. The Raiders running back room is dead to me. I don't have any interest in this. I don't want as much. And what's crazy is I like Jacobs in fantasy. I liked Drake in fantasy. I don't like him on the same team. Yeah. I'm, I'm afraid to touch either one of these because – You've got two running backs that were both 
warranting 20 to 30 touches a game that are now on the same team. And I'm afraid to touch them. I'm not willing to touch them this year. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, I think Drake, you saw his best seasons when he was a complimentary back in Miami, you saw those top 15 seasons when he was only touching the ball, rushing a hundred or so times and getting those 50 to 70 targets. So I think the most efficient Kenyon Drake that you're getting is the Miami version of Kenyon Drake. When there's a lead back in front of him where they had Frank Gore there, similar to Josh Jacobs here in, in Las Vegas versus the Kenyon Drake that got 230 some odd carries in Arizona last year. That was just super inefficient. So I think you're getting the better version of Kenyon Drake in Las Vegas than you, than mm-hmm. you saw in Arizona. It's a better role. I think what we all wanted was 2019 when he got traded to the Cardinals and he just won people leagues. That's what we wanted. Yep. That's what uh, you and hoped for, but the, that's the not amount Kenyon of Drake, right? The, I want a 20 touch a game running back in fantasy. The amount the of day. carries last season may cut his cap his receiving upside because he didn't have. It. So I think you're just playing. I think you're looking too far into history when it comes to running backs. Uh, so I'm going to get us out of here, man. I just want to highlight this staff, www.fffair.com. You can check us, all our work, all our articles are dropping almost daily. Hit that about us page. Find your favorite analyst. Follow him on Twitter. Let me name a few names. Garrett Vienna at FF Goldmine. Just dropped one today, and I got another one coming. All right, he does our Ride or Die series. He's well worth a follow. Maddie Daddy, that's at Maddie Daddy 2652. He's our founding father. You could check him with all those live streams. Cannot wait to figure out a way to get those live streams on the forefront, on the webpage. We got Andrew Jacques at McLovin FF Affair, where the O is a zero. That's at MCL0VINFFAFFAIR. Britt Sanders at the FF Sandman. That man made up Rotorball. That should be enough, but he goes above and beyond. He writes for a few different sites, including our own. He just dropped a hot article. Check it out. And he does Rookie on the Rise. Brian Craighead at Vandegrad92. He's going to be doing DFS, Cash Crusade. We got Johnny Slokes, Quinn Kusky, Sam Gordon. That's at Johnny Slokes, at Quinn underscore Kusky. Uh, Kusky and at Samuel underscore Gordon. Those two, Quinn and Sam, do the hot by happy hour. Well worth the listen. Cannot wait for the next one to drop. We got Brian at Brian GMFF Affair, who does our, he's our normal host. I'm the fill in and Rob Lorge, our new guy at Rob FF Attic. Check him out, dude. Just dropped another one. Quinn, get us out of here. What do you got for us? Yeah. If y'all are just listening to this podcast and you're not doing anything more with the, you know, all the stuff that Eric just listed, you're missing out. There's information on all of those articles from all of those different people that you can't get here. You got to go to the website. You got to tune in. You got to read. And you're going to get so much more information. It's going to make you such a better fantasy player than you would be if you just listened here. You can get, you can be a good fantasy player if you just listen to this podcast. But if you tune in, and actually read all of the articles we're putting out too. You're a great fantasy player. And that's a big difference. Yeah. You're already above average if you're listening, but let us, let us get you to the next level, right? Let us, let us give you a reference point. That's fffair.com. Brad, what do you Bingo. got for us? Hey, look, August is right around the corner. We're only in June. We're a couple months away, but I'm going to tell you a little something about Sunday, August the 15th. It's, the Fantasy Football Expo 2021 edition in Canton, Ohio. 
So we talk about all the guys that are going to be there, but I'm not, I'm not going to mention them. What I am going to mention is the night before yours truly, the FF Affair team is going to be hosting a pre-expo party at the resident hotel. I am super excited. I'm going to be talking bourbon. Sammy's going to be talking cigars. Eric and Brian are going to be talking cocktails and, and making drinks for people. It is going to be an awesome time. Our very own at Eric Burkholder 6, our host for tonight, is going to be on the main stage doing some drafts, doing some talks with some of the biggest analysts in the industry right now. And we're just going to show them how good we are at FF Affair. So I'm super excited about it. Check it out at the FF Expo on Twitter or thefantasyfootballexpo.com. I'm going to say it one more time, at the FF Expo on Twitter or thefantasyfootballexpo.com. Check it out for dates, times, and who's going to be there. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic time. To be, to be completely honest with you, it feels like Christmas morning. I'm going to be on stage with Mike Clay and company. I cannot wait to just pink touch the elbow. Oh, in a pink bunny suit. You can't miss me. I cannot wait. How crazy wait. is it? That's just a couple months away. Yeah, I cannot wait, dude. I can't. To just rub elbows with some of the greats and uh, share some of our wealth of knowledge. Because if you have been listening, you know we are, we're up there. So we need that exposure. We need that level up. In order to get that, we need you to rate subscribe and review anywhere and everywhere you get your podcast. We need you to go on the website, fffair.com. We need you to send in listener questions. We need you to reach out. We need you to follow us on Twitter uh, and hit us up, man. Thanks. Thanks guys for listening. We really do appreciate you and cheers for tonight. Later. See y'all.